Hi, how are we? Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> Welcome back to Queer and Art Podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Kraft. It is an honor to present this episode to you. It is with a incredible person named Andrea James. She is a trans activist, film producer, director, blogger, incredible human being. And it was really nice of her to give me some time to chat with her over Skype. Something I wanted to bring up before I share the episode is in producing this podcast and in coming up with um, guests to talk to, I have my list of people that I, I would love and dream of speaking to. And I want to be very inclusive on this what, this podcast and not just, you know, speak to white cisgendered gay men. Um, and I w- reached out to some people and Andrea was one of them. And um, it was really important to me to speak to transgender people and to the transgender community. And you'll hear in the podcast how I have this conversation with her about, um, you know, being an ally to the community, and she's very well-spoken, better than I am speaking right now, but uh, I I wanted, before I got to the episode, to share some tips for allies of transgender people, because uh, we work together, and Pride Month is coming up, and I just wanted to highlight this issue, I guess, within the community, where we um, kind of ignore parts of our, uh, you know, group, because, you know, we are together, LGBTQ+. Um, I'm kind of just stealing this from the GLAAD website, but there's tons of information out there for uh, anyone who is looking to become an ally or be more of an ally to the transgender community or any part of our community. But this specifically is tips for allies of transgender people. When you become an ally of transgender people, your actions help change the culture, making society a better, safer place for transgender people and for all people, trans or not, who do not conform to conventional gender expectations. So number one, you can't tell if someone is transgender just by looking at them. That's something I think that's come up uh, with the community in general is that you can't visibly most of the time tell if anyone is part of the LGBT community. Transgender people don't look any certain way or come from any one background, and many transgender people do not appear visibly trans or they are not perceived to be transgender by others. It is not possible to look around a room and see if there are any transgender people. You know, it would be like a person looking around the room to see if there are any gay people. You should assume that there may be transgender people at any gathering. Don't make assumptions about transgender people's sexual orientation. Gender identity is a lot different than sexual orientation, completely different than sexual orientation. Sexual orientation is about who we're attracted to. Gender identity is about your our own personal sense of being male, female, or outside a gender binary. Transgender people can be gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, or straight. I'm friends with some of these people. If you do not know what pronouns to use, just listen first. Listening is a huge part of this conversation. If you're unsure what pronoun a person uses, listen first to the pronoun other people use or, you know, when referring to the person. Someone who knows the person will probably use the pronoun first. Um, If you must ask which pronoun the person uses, start with your own, you know. Hi, I'm Frankie. I use he, him pronouns. How about you? You know, things like that. Don't ask a transgender person what their real name is. For some transgender people, being associated with their birth name is just a tremendous source of anxiety and pain, and it's or it's just like simply a part of their life they wish to leave behind. So respect the name a transgender person is currently using. If you happen to know the name someone was given at birth but no longer uses, let's not share that without the person's permission. Similarly, don't share photos of someone before their transi- transition unless you have their permission. Understand the differences between coming out as lesbian, bisexual, gay, and coming out as transgender. Coming out to other people as lesbian, gay, or bisexual is typically seen as revealing a truth that allows other people to know your authentic self. The LGB community places great importance and value on the idea of being out in order to be happy and whole. When a transgender person has transitioned and is living their life as their authentic self, that is their truth. The world now sees them as who they truly are then. 
Unfortunately, it can often feel disempowering for a transgender person to disclose to other people that they are transgender. Sometimes when other people learn a person is trans, they no longer see the person as a real man, woman, or person they are, which, of course, is just not the case. Some people may choose to publicly discuss their lives in an effort to raise awareness and make cultural change, but please don't assume that it's necessary for a transgender person to disclose that they are transgender in order to feel happy and whole. Let's be careful about confidentiality, disclosure, and outing. This is important. Some, people, some transgender people feel comfortable disclosing their gender history to other people, and some do not. A transgender person's gender history is personal information, and it is up to them to share it with others. Do not casually share this information, speculate, gossip about someone you know or think is transgender. Not only is this an invasion of privacy, it's, it also can have very negative consequences in our world that is very intolerant of gender diversity. Transgender people can lose jobs, housing, friends, or even their lives when other people find out about their gender history. Be patient with a person who is questioning or exploring their gender identity. A person who is questioning or exploring their gender identity may, may take some time to figure out what's true for them. They might, for example, use a pronoun or name and then decide later that they want to change that name. Let's just do our best to be respectful and use that name and pronoun as requested. Understand there is no right or wrong way to transition and that it's different for every person. Some transgender people access medical care like hormones and surgeries as part of their transition to align their bodies with gender identity. And some transgender people want their authentic gender identity to be recognized without hormones or surgery. Some transgender people can't access medical care or hormones or surgery due to lack of financial resources or access to health care. A transgender person person's identity is not dependent on medical procedures or their physicality, except that if someone tells you they are transgender, that they are. Don't ask about a transgender person's genitals, surgical status, or sex life. That is just not okay. It would be really inappropriate to ask a non-transgender or cisgender person about their appearance or status of their genitals. So it's equally inappropriate to ask a transgender person these questions. We don't need to ask them if they've had the surgery or if, or if they are pre-op or post-op. If a per transgender person wants to talk to you about such matters, they will bring it up. Avoid backhanded compliments or helpful tips. This is terrible. Um, while you may intend to be supportive, comments like saying, I would have never known you were transgender, you look so pretty, or you look just like a real woman, or you're so brave, um, it's, could be hurtful or insulting. Let's help the community by challenging anti-transgender remarks or jokes in public spaces, including LGB spaces. It's often that you may hear anti-transgender comments from anti-LGBT activists, but it's also common that you may also hear them from LGB people. Someone may think that because they're gay, it's okay for them to use certain words or tell jokes about transgender people, but it's not. It's important to challenge anti-transgender remarks or jokes whenever they're said, and no matter who says them. Support all gender re public restrooms, period. Help make your company or group truly trans-inclusive. LGBTQ is now a commonplace term that joins lesbian, bisexual, gay, queer, questioning, and transgender people under the same acronym. If you are part of a company or group that says it's LGBTQ inclusive, remember that transgender people face unique challenges and that being LGBTQ inclusive means truly understanding the needs of the trans community and implementing policies addressing them. At meetings and events, set an inclusive tone. At a meeting where not everyone is known, consider asking people to introduce themselves with their name and pronouns. Listen to transgender people. I'm gonna repeat that. Listen to transgender people. The best way to be an ally is to listen with an open mind to transgender people speaking for themselves. Talk to transgender people in your community. Look at films, check out books, YouTube channels, blogs, find out more about the transgender community and the issues people that have within the community. Know your own limits as an ally. This is the last thing I'm gonna talk about. Let's not be afraid to admit when you don't know something. It is better to admit you don't know something than to make assumptions or say something that may be incorrect or hurtful. Seek out the appropriate resources that will help you learn more. Remember, being an ally is a sustained and persistent pattern of action not an idle or stable noun. You can learn lots more about being a trans ally on GLAD's website. 
or just doing an easy Google, Google search and reading a bunch of articles. I really suggest doing that. That's something that um, if you're feeling kind of like you don't have, you don't know anyone within the community or you are uh, identifying LGBTQ plus person, take some time out of your day today or whenever you can to research some stuff about how to be a better ally. There's a lot of violence happening continually in this country, specifically to um, trans women of color. The murder rate is higher than it was last year at this time, and we need to do more for each other and look out for each other more. Without further ado, it is a great honor and pleasure to speak to Andrea James today, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. to be hanging out right now virtually with the amazing Andrea James, who I've been watching for a while, actually, and have really looked towards when it comes to um, topics in the community that involve all of us. And uh, you're just so well-spoken. I-, I love your writing, your writer, your director, f- filmmaker, producer. Am I missing something? <laughs> Activist, activist. Yeah, yeah, the, the main one that I would add, but yes. uh, but uh, I try to be a Renaissance woman of sorts, I guess. You are, you are. And thank you for having me on. This is uh, really wonderful to chat with you. Yeah, it's oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited that we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's really nice of you too to say that I've tried to uh, be inclusive in my writing. One of the things that's really important to me is the LGBTQ umbrella and whatever other letters we might add to that, because um, I think we need a big tent, especially in the current political climate, and we need to all support each other. Yes, I definitely want to talk to you about that, because um, recently I was watching uh, an interview you did with James St. James, and it was, I believe, um, probably in May of 2017, I think it was posted. And you spoke very eloquently about the steps that the community can take um, uh, just with the energy. I mean, I've been I've been thinking recently that I don't know what emotion it is anymore that I feel about what's been happening. It's like this mixture of like happy and sad and angry or sad not happy it's sad and angry I mean sangry I don't know what it is but um I I really uh want to talk to you about where what what's the update <laughs> yeah well it's as I mentioned in the James St. James interview you know I'm old enough that I remember when Reagan was president and remember um, the same kind of fear and uncertainty that everybody had at that time. And of course, it was in the middle of the HIV AIDS crisis as well. And um, it was it was a very scary time and it felt very similar in some ways to this. Um, but it was also an exciting time because it galvanized the community and we all really started rallying together to support each other. And I'm hoping that despite the setbacks and the frustrations of um, having the political winds blowing in the direction that we don't want, that we will find a way to come out of it stronger. Cool. Um, something, you know, this is queer and art podcast, and I'm, I'm interested as you being an artist and creator, um, I, I'm looking forward to what comes out of this whole time in, in that we're living in um creatively um especially with the trans community i i i have really 
wanted to work on something and, 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 and have more stuff happen, but it feels like the people who should be creating things nowadays are the people who are experiencing it, that the, the people who should be speaking out about it are the ones who, who are living it. Um, so what is, what is someone like me who is a cisgender gay man? What, how can I be a part of, of bolstering or supporting and, and helping create things? How do you feel about that kind of thing? Well, I think what you're doing right now is, is a great and very important step is listening and um, making yourself available to hear what people are saying and, and, and try to understand where they're coming from. I think art is one of the fastest ways to create political change, which is why I do a lot of work in the media. I, I feel like it's a way that we can connect with somebody um, I always say, for instance, that if I make a film about something that was a play, um, that 400 people might be able to see a play in a, in a given night. But if I make a film and it gets on television, it goes into potentially every household in the United States and beyond. And in my entire life, I couldn't go door to door. And some of those people who would kick me from their front porch literally can have my film in their house playing and somebody may see it and make a connection and it may change hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. So I think the same is true with, um, you know, the, the trans part of the LGBTQ is about 30 years behind uh, gay and lesbian representations. And we're now at a point where there are some very influential uh, gay and lesbian uh, people who are, in the media and can make a difference. And some of them are really doing a nice job of being inclusive of trans people. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage everyone to follow your example and the example of other people who are really trying to find a place at the table for trans people. Well, thanks. Um, I, uh, I want to do justice really. Um, I feel really affected every time I hear about, um, the murder of a trans person, especially specifically trans women of color. And I, for instance, uh, I believe it was maybe like a year ago or something where a bunch of people were trying to get together in a bar to a bunch of white people getting together at a bar to just meet up and talk with, um, people of color and trans people of color to try and like have a conversation about it. And I remember that event got canceled because um, of some people being very upset by the way it was being organized and who was leading it. And it kind of left a scar on me, to be honest, um, because I don't know how to start this conversation. Even talking to you right now, I mean, I'm, I am intimidated by how incredible you are and all the stuff you've done. But I want to know, no. like, you know, like, how do we realistically help each other, um, and have these conversations. And I think it's a two way street. I think, unfortunately, you know, uh, Laverne Cox often says hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people in the trans community who've experienced trauma or have not had opportunities, um, sometimes will, uh, self-sabotage in a way. Um, you know, we have a lot of infighting in our community as does the gay and lesbian communities. Um, and I think that sometimes that frustration and anger gets directed in unproductive ways towards people like you who are looking for ways to help, but um, run into a situation where uh, someone didn't feel like that was the right kind of help or was patronizing. And, you know, those are valid concerns that we have to listen to, but um, it's, it's important to to set that aside and, and try not to take it personally when people are critical of efforts that are trying to move things forward and connect us all. Mm -hmm. But that's easier said than done. Yes. Uh, great. I just wanted to see what you felt about that and your, your thoughts on it. Um, so kind of moving towards some of your work, um, you were a consultant on gender revolution, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, Gender Revolution is a uh, documentary that was on National Geographic Channel that is hosted by Katie Couric. And uh, the backstory there is sort of interesting. She had done an interview with Vern Cox where she had said she had asked a couple of questions in ways that were not intentionally mean, but were insensitive and, you know, asking her about her genitals and some other things. And uh, Laverne was very respectful, but but corrected her on air. And I think um, because Katie is a very uh, honor, honorable person who uh, who wants to do the right thing and is also a journalist, she she really wanted to do this project to kind of help others be educated in the way that she had been. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, World of Wonder always does really interesting, edgy stuff, and I have a great relationship with them. So I was really proud when they uh, asked me to come on and, and help produce a little. Great. I mean, what? how how did that get made? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, like, so I, I, I get the Katie Couric interview, but I'm, I'm, I want to know, like, how people are investing in can invest in projects about trans stories and, 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 or gender stories, um, today? Well, um, one of the best ways, because we're still at a point where, uh, the gatekeepers in Hollywood, uh, really try, still aren't quite getting it. And, um, that makes it, uh, difficult, I think, for a lot of trans people to, to, uh, get into that system Mm -hmm. and it's getting better. It's gotten much better in the last few years, but, um, there's still a lot of really interesting edgy stuff, especially around the gender queer part of things, which I think is really the future of all of it, Mm -hmm. um, on crowdsourced things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And, um, I encourage anybody who's listening to go check out those sites and just type in interesting words, uh, gender, queer, uh, non-binary, transgender, and gay and lesbian, of course, and bi, and all of those other great words in our community. <laughs> and just see what comes up, you know? And it's not just films. There's, there's books, there's music projects, there's art projects. And a lot of people are doing some really cool stuff, and they could really use your help, not just financially, but just um, getting the word out. So even if you don't have a lot of resources, you can still elevate somebody's story and help them make their art just by keeping keeping an ear to the ground and, and trying to see what's going on. Oh, my God. That's like such a good idea. I've never even thought about doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just if anybody who's who's done a good Kickstarter or whatever has all those keywords in their documents so that when you type in gay. Uh, you'll get a whole list of currently seeking funds and, uh, and it's just, it's a really great way to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, so also talking a little bit of, uh, the stuff that you've directed, uh, I watched Casting Pearls, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, was at a billion festivals or something when it came out in 2007, Yeah, it had a nice run, and it was, you know, that film is about uh, the difficulties of uh, uh, trans actors in L.A., and um, the the piece was really done as a a reel for Calpurnia. Like, Mm -hmm. we wanted to show her in a lot of different roles, um, showing a range, but also tell a story about some of the kind of indignities that trans people have to face in Hollywood. And, um, you know, I like to think that some of the stuff that we brought to light has, has changed a few hearts and minds and helped people understand that it's not cool to, you know, always cast us as prostitutes and punchlines and psychopaths and things like that. Right. So along those lines, what do you feel, what, if, if you're a trans person and you're an actress or an actor, what roles do you want? What roles are you are they looking for? Um, I mean, as a I've an, I'm also an actor, and I've publicly like said I don't care to play a straight part ever again. Um, I'd like to play only gay people uh, because that's fun for me. It's I enjoy that. Um, 
So uh, do you, what do you feel about that? What do you think? Well, I feel like, you know, as I said, that we're at this interesting moment where, uh, you know, trans people weren't allowed to play ourselves in film until pretty frequently or until pretty recently. And, um, there was this catch 22 around it where it's like, we weren't allowed to get big roles playing ourselves because we didn't have the experience, but we couldn't get the experience because they wouldn't let us play big roles. So it's, it, you know, it was a no win situation. And that's why a lot of us just ended up making our own stuff to kind of, you know, demonstrate that it was possible for us to carry a, a film or a web series or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely getting a little bit better. You know, my ultimate goal would be the day that uh, there'll be uh, trans people as leading uh, characters in major films and their transness won't be an issue. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it's great that you don't want to play non-gay people, but I would love to get to the point where that's just not really even an issue right. and that people could look at a trans uh, guy or a trans woman and and not have that be top of mind uh, as they're watching the performance. Yeah, as you're speaking, I'm thinking that it's kind of like my, the reason why I came up with that and the reason why I say that is because I'm so frustrated with um, straight actors playing gay roles. And I know that it's just lazy casting and that there's just a giant pool of just... Um, deep emotional actors who are capable of playing these roles that are sort of, you know, if you think of it, their jobs being taken away from gay uh, identifying actors. And uh, that, so me being like, I only want to play gay parts is kind of like born from that, I would say. But I I, I get that. I get that impulse. You know, I would say that, um, the, the trouble with this town is that it's it's uh, not show politics, it's show business. Mm-hmm. And that the business side of things, uh, unfortunately, often overrides the politics. And especially with casting, it's such a complicated issue. Um, you know, when I was... When I was younger, uh, Tom Hanks played a uh, gay man in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And at the time, a lot of people were very upset about that. But that movie would not have had the impact it did and made such a big difference in the way the general public perceives uh, gay people and especially HIV positive gay people um, as it did because he was in it. So it's, it's not as cut and dried as, you know, only this or only that. It's like when you're talking about, uh, you know, putting butts in seats and making back the money that people have put into a film, you know, you, you want to get the best person. And uh, the the real trick to me is getting it to the point where producers think, you know, a gay or lesbian or, or bi or trans or any, you know, genderqueer actor is the best person. Mm-hmm. And that takes some time. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I feel like the audiences are ready for that. And it's just completely in the minds of these people who just are completely wrong. I just, I don't think that the younger generation, at least right now, is concerned with this problem. Or maybe I'm just living in such a bubble that I don't, I, that's the way I see it. Because I guess it's, I'm always pointed towards the middle America people and, and the rest of the country, I guess, you know? Well, the film industry is very big. And so I think in the indie film world, which I operate in and which I'm sure you do too, is that that has a different threshold for inclusion and and diversity um, than the really big studio stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a tougher nut to crack because there's definitely a glass ceiling there, you know, not just for LGBT people, but, you know, I think like, like two percent of cinematographers are women mm-hmm. you know it's like one of the one of the most uh, sex segregated uh jobs in the world and so it's it's not just us that are trying to change the way that these huge huge movies are being made and i think i always try to separate the two and and think about uh 
there's there's always a challenge with you have to live in the time that you that you live in and I kind of know that in my lifetime and my career, I'm only going to be able to get things so far politically, mm-hmm. and then people will have to take it from there and, you know, and and run with it from there. But um, at this point, I think the best hope for really making a big difference is for these big indie film breakthroughs, Call Me By Your Name, uh, Blue is the Warmest Color, films like that that show that you, you not only can make a great piece of art, but you can make a lot of money if you actually cast authentically and and give uh, the people who've had that lived experience a chance to to play that part. Mm-hmm. Amen. I completely <laughs> agree with everything you just said. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about how you kind of where you, your journey, you know, where how you kind of got into film and and creating things, and it's something I like to talk to every guest I have about, you know, the moment that was incited for them to to kind of that flame was lit, you know, all the metaphors. Right. Well, I was sort of an artsy fartsy little kid, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was very shy. But I found that, uh, despite being kind of shy, I was I was really enjoyed performing, and I especially liked to get laughs from people. And so, uh, I sort of cultivated that kind of comedic sensibility as a way to kind of um, cover for other feelings. And, um, that served me well, you know, I, I, after, uh, college, I went into advertising and I wrote comedic ads for about 10 years, like Super Bowl beer commercial type stuff, you know, like very, (laughs) very, uh, straight, very masculine, you know, kind of a gender hell of my own making, but it was, but it was, it was good because I feel like I came out of that really understanding uh, the sensibility of mainstream America, mm-hmm. you know, if you're able to make people with that mindset laugh, I think that you've, you've gained a very powerful insight into how, um, this country works. Mm. And so from that, then, um, I transitioned on, on the job in advertising and kept my job. Um, and that was kind of unusual at the time. You know, I, I assumed I was going to get fired. And, uh, when that didn't happen, I sighed a big sigh of relief, but then shortly after that, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Calpurnia Adams, uh, had a, a terrible tragedy happen in her life where her boyfriend was murdered, and um, she she was dating a guy who was in the military. Uh, she lived in Nashville at the time, and uh, some guys in his unit uh, beat him to death. And, um, it was in the middle of don't ask, don't tell. And I saw the way that she was treated in the media. You know, they were calling her he and him and trying to find out her old name. And it was, uh, you know, they were calling her a gay man. And I thought, you know, why am I selling hamburgers and, and, you know, cereal when I have friends who are being treated this way in the media? And so she ended up leaving Nashville, moving to Chicago, and we became uh, very close friends um, and started talking about what we might be able to do. And uh, during that time that she lived in Chicago, there were two developments of um, stories about uh, their relationship. There were two uh, productions that were sort of moving forward at the same time, which happens a lot out here. And one of them eventually fell away, and the other one ended up um, being made into a film called Soldier's Girl that was uh, that premiered at Sundance and um, aired on Showtime. And it was really uh, that was a really powerful moment for me to see something so tragic and so terrible turned into art that really changed people's hearts and minds mm-hmm. and it was very inspirational and the people involved are some of the greatest living artists uh you know ron nicewanner who wrote philadelphia wrote the script frank pearson who was the head of the academy and who wrote you know and directed a number of just absolute classic films was the director 
um, stellar cast, Lee Pace, um, mm-hmm. Roy Garrity, uh, Sean Hattersey. It was, it was just a really remarkable uh, experience. And so I tried to carry that with me on everything else that I've done since then, which is a, sort of a mix of politics and art. Mm-hmm. That was a very long answer. No, I loved it. I mean, I want to hear more about um, what since then has it changed? I mean, has have have you been feeling more of uh, becoming or the work you you do is is more about activism and and less about uh, producing, creating, or where are you at? Well, I think all art is political. And, I, you know, when I choose a project, I try to choose one that I think is going to have maximum political impact. So um, I did a I was adopted. And so I wanted to pay it forward. And so my friend Alec uh, Mappa, great character actor, and his husband adopted a kid through foster care. And at the time, there were, uh, you know, gay marriage was still when he first started uh, doing this gay marriage wasn't uh, legal yet. Uh, across the country. Um, and there, there were a lot of places that were discriminating against, uh, against gay couples who wanted to adopt or foster care. So, um, so I wanted to, to film that one man show that he'd been doing to, uh, inspire others to consider foster care or adoption. You know, there's 400,000 children in this country who need a stable family. Mm-hmm. And, um, I also wanted to show the story of a loving gay couple who were adopting a child. And um, so that's what I mean when I say that I try to choose political projects. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working on one right now with a trans guy that I think is going to be very exciting. Mm -hmm. Cool. I want to see that um, ASAP. So I'm also, I saw also that you have done some work with Tinder. um, And I want to know, like, how that was. Well, um, you know, I've done a lot of work over the years with various uh, social media platforms. I did some work with Facebook on uh, improving their community standards and um, trying to get bad behavior off of their system. Um, and then I was uh, approached to do something similar with Tinder. There was there was a big issue with uh, trans women specifically were being kicked off their service quite a bit by uh, guys who were upset that they were matched with a trans woman. And uh, Tinder, for those who haven't used it, it's very <laughs> much like Grindr or whatever, where um, there's an option where you can report somebody if they're doing something wrong. And you can either say they were a spammer or they're harassing you. And people are making false reports on trans women and getting them kicked off the system through no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. And Tinder has always been supportive of trans people, but this abuse of the system needed to be addressed. And mm-hmm. so they rebuilt it from the ground up and uh, launched it with options where you could more clearly show uh, your gender identity and um, they they made an option so that if you get reported, but then it says that you're trans, that you you have a whole different system where they check that and make sure that it's not because somebody is transphobic. It's because of, you know, a legitimate reason. Mm. Wow, that's fucking terrible. I can't. I mean, I yeah, can believe that. It's but. really bad. It was very frustrating for a lot of people, and uh, they really, they really uh, worked hard to to uh, change the way that that was. And you know, in the time that it's been available, they've had well over a quarter million matches that have been made by people who had choose, chosen one of the other gender options. So, um, I feel like dating is. Um, one of the dating and youth are sort of the two big political issues that I think are important right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because dating is where a lot of the violence happens. You know, you mentioned trans women of color earlier, a lot of the, uh, violence involves a romantic connection or, um, a situation where they're, they're on a Tinder date or whatever, and the person gets angry. So, um, so I, I feel like the the dating side is a safety thing, um, and I think finding ways to 
make everybody safer is going to lead to uh, better outcomes for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you for that work. That's amazing. Um, I have a couple more questions. Don't want to oh. take up too much of your time. Um, so I know we kind of touched on it, but I want to know how you feel about uh, either straight people or um, uh, gay cisgendered people playing trans roles. Um, if you have a statement about it, uh, I just want to, I haven't really been able to, to talk to someone about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I wrote a piece for the Atlantic, uh, that tried to explore some of the nuances and it was, uh, pegged to a film that, uh, starred Elle Fanning playing a young trans boy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a fine film, but it, I, I asked the question, you know, is Elle Fanning taking a role from a transgender actor? And um, I think the answer in a lot of ways is yes. And so I tried to explore some of the, the stuff that I talked about earlier with the finances and and the, the challenges of that, you know. It's sort of, the way I look at it is kind of like if you owned a sports team and you know, you want to win because you're going to make more money if you win. So you're going to recruit the best team that you can, which means you're going to get the the biggest, strongest people or the fastest people or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever you need to make that happen. And that, um, there's a similar thing with, with acting. It's like, you know, there was, there was a big, uh, controversy around Jared Leto playing, uh, in Dallas Buyers Club, for instance, you know, they'd been trying to make that film for 14 years so at the time that they started trying to produce that film, um, you know, there weren't any movies about trans people that were very respectful to speak of. You know, there were a couple. And so so it's, it's hard for people outside of the industry to see that. It's like, imagine spending 14 years doing something, and then, you know, you're going to want, if you have the option of, do I put somebody very famous in this movie or do I take a chance on an unknown? Mm-hmm. It's like, that compromise. Got, right. I have to pay back all these people who have invested in this film. Um, you know, I have responsibilities beyond the political responsibilities. And so obviously I would like for them to choose taking a chance on the unknown person. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the reality is that, not everybody thinks the way that you or I do. And, um, you know, I can't fully defend that, but I can at least understand where they're coming from as someone who has had to borrow money to make films and knows that there are strings attached when you start doing that mm-hmm. and that you start having to make creative compromises and political compromises. The minute that you start doing anything collaborative or creative, you know, I've, I've had to cut jokes out of things that I've, had on the air. I've had to, um, you know, go with uh, somebody that I didn't think was right for a part because of this or that other reason, or we had to trade a favor on something else. And it's, it's, so it's not, it's not always as pure as it seems like it, it might be, you know, it's, it's, it's a miracle that anything gets made really. Yeah, no, I completely hear you. That's that's sort of what I've tried to give the benefit of the doubt to the, the, the filmmakers and whoever, that they probably wanted it to be the way I wanted it, but they had to make those compromises. And I just, I just hope that whatever compromise that people are making, it is thoughtful towards the community that it's representing in in the, the sense that it it's helping us move forward, you know? Um, And I do think that there are people who are still not doing that. You know, there was, there was a film uh, that that came out about a, uh, a hitman who had been uh, sort of, it was a revenge fantasy thing where they had been transformed against their will into a woman. And it was, and and it was, uh, it, it changed names a bunch of times. So it's called reassignment, I believe eventually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was supposed to be campy and it was supposed to be, you know, fun. And the guy who did it has done some great, you know, camp films from the seventies, but it, it, 
And so one of the reviewers said it was woke as a coma. And <laughs> because he, he really did not get any kind of input or feedback in a way that, that somebody should at this day and age, you know? So, so he got slapped for that. And I think that's, that's great. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just so many conversations happening about all of this and at least that's something to be grateful for, I guess. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like when transparent came out, you know, I, I said, like right at the time I said, this is an imperfect step forward. It's not going to age well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's turned out to be true. Yeah. And see, we'll see what corner they turn if, if they do, uh, in this new season. But, um, you know, that show's not going to look good in 10 years. It's going to look like Mickey Rooney playing a Japanese guy in breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's challenging and it's, it's, you know, it's tough when, when we're living through this interesting cataclysmic change in how all of this works. Um, there's going to be things that go great and there's going to be compromises. Um, but you know, progress, not perfection, I think is really the way that you have to think about it when you're trying to combine art and politics. Mm -hmm. Um, so before I get to like my final, I do like a James Lipton-y couple questions at the end, but I kind of circling back to like the very beginning of our convo, I am sad and angry and sometimes I wake up and I'm sure you feel these feelings too, of just feeling like there's so much bad happening, um, just negativity and, and, and I don't like to live in that space. And I'm curious about where you look for the positive and, and what, what is good? What, where's the good? One thing that I like to do, um, one of the little exercises that I have, have done for my personal sanity is, um, I guest blog on a, uh, on a classic blog that's been around. It started as a zine 30 years ago. And, um, I only post artsy things and positive things and cute things and, and fun things. Occasionally I'll post something about something, you know, politically outrageous or whatever. But for the most part, I just say, Hey, look at this lovely, uh, yesterday I posted a thing about a cat with a really long tongue and, a um, a guy who makes these beautiful paper craft models, you know, it's, it's, it helps me kind of recenter and think about what's important and not let the, the craziness of the rest of the world get me down. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Um, okay. So I want to ask you a couple questions They're As I said, like, don't need to explain them. Uh, they're just sort of a fun thing that I like to do at the end. Okay. All right. Are you ready, Andrea James? I am ready. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite word? I gotta say fuck. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Good. Okay. Your least favorite word? Well, you're really making me think here. There's so many. There's so many. Probably no. Mm-hmm. Love that. What That was actually my first word as a child, by the way. <laughs> Which I good. think explains a lot. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, what inspires you most? I'd say other artists. Uh, what's your favorite emotion? Laughter. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Laughter. What turns you off? Pessimism. If you could have dinner with any artist, living or dead, who would it be? Boy, that's a tough one. (laughs) 
That's a tough one. Um, I think Mozart. Cool. Nice. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? Making a difference. And you have uh, already. What is your favorite part about being queer? Breaking taboos. And finally, what is queer? Stepping outside what is and into what should be. Ah, I love that. What a great little snippet. Um, Andrea, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me and to talk about these things that you, you may have talked about before, but it's so special to, to sit, to look at you might be virtually, but, um, I I want, I hope that the things you've said today can be echoed to new ears and that people who listen to this podcast can, can find you and, and, and be supportive of you too. So, um, I bow down to the work and the life that you've been living and I'm, I'm in admiration of you. Well, thank you for having me on Frankie. And thank you for those lovely words. That really is nice. And, you know, as Mark Twain says, I can live off a, co- a good compliment for three <laughs> months. So, <laughs> so I think I'm set until, uh, sometime in the summer, but, uh, Great. but again, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, anybody who wants to find out more can just go to andreajames.com and, and, uh, learn more about what's going on with me. Oh, great. I hope everyone does. Um, I want to buy you a drink in person one time, so we're going to have to figure that out at some point. Okay, we'll figure that out. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, All right, thanks, Frankie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Boom. There you have it. Thank you so much, Andrea James. You are incredible. And I just want to say I'm so grateful and thankful that uh, you took the time to explain to me all of the things that you've experienced and and your feelings about everything. Um, I I just want to listen to you more and more and more. And um, my gratitude is through the roof. So let's continue these conversations. Let's continue the listening and let's be on the lookout for each other. We are a community and I am so proud of that. Thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed what you're, the podcast and everything that's happening here, please subscribe, rate, comment, share. It's important for the growth and for the love and ba ba ba. Follow us on social media. Instagram is where it's at, at Queer and Art. Also on Facebook. If you have any questions or you want to, you know, recommend somebody to be on the podcast, email me, queerandartpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Sammy Girl Productions. Theme music by Joey Polari. That's about it, folks. Take it easy. Bye.